Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we, as brothers and sisters on this earth, should treat each other. Now, more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. Welcome to episode 14 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. Today we're going to be talking about Black Panther from 2018, a monstrous film that made over a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, one of the most powerful MCU movies, one of the most powerful, um, you know, as far as grossing films of all time. Of course, we are talking about Black Panther because Chadwick, Bose- Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us. And quite frankly, I believe he's one of the greatest um, actors to portray a superhero of all time. Yeah. And, and I, I think there's arguments to be made that he possibly should have been up for best actor at this, um, this Academy Awards. I'm not just saying that because he's recently passed. I also think he should have been up for Get On Up. Uh, Connor. Yes. What, what, what do you remember most about Chadwick Boseman? I remember that he was a... He was a monumental performer who always gave 100%. I knew every time he was going to be on camera that it was going to be a good movie, or at the very least, I was going to fucking love him. Yes. I was looking forward to, you know, just endless content. I knew he was going to be huge. I, I first, you know, found him when I saw Get On Up. I, I was a huge yes. Brown fan, so I was really looking forward to that. And I watched him like, who is this guy? He's fucking killing it. Right. And then from there, I just, like, sought out everything I could. And yeah, it was a fucking like you know bullet to the spine when i saw the news i couldn't believe it i still can't believe it i i'm still in shock it was such a we talked about this in a few episodes now because it really hit us really hit us hard and yes. uh, we wanted to do something special in his memory we wanted to do something like that we can celebrate his life and his career with and we thought you know black panther is his is the film he's going to be remembered for and right we wanted to we thought that would be just the perfect avenue to embrace everything we loved about this guy. Exactly. And that, that's a great way to put it, man. He's, he's just a movie star. He, he was, he, he could do anything. And I, I believe uh, we both believe that he had so much potential and that he would have been up for a bunch of Oscars and maybe would have won some. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we did. Yeah. Uh, last week we pointed out after Z um, typically we would have done a seventies movie this week, but yeah. we, we just, yeah, we, like you said, we felt pretty rocked by that loss and just like the film community as a whole uh and the of course the marvel community right all of the fans are just absolutely devastated so we we felt it was right to do this film because of the seven nominations it got the three wins it got at the 91st academy awards uh amongst some some amazing films right yeah um you know we both really really enjoy vice uh roma the favorite you know there's some really interesting films from that year and, you know, Black Panther's right there in that group for Best Picture nominees. But what we did here is not so much a look at the 91st Academy Awards, but yeah. more a look at Chadwick Boseman's career. So yeah. we, we watched Get On Up, 42, 21 Bridges, Marshall, uh, and then, of course, the, the Marvel stuff that he, that he contributed. 
And, I, you know, shame on me for forgetting how good Civil War is and, and how important it is, obviously, for leading up to Black Panther. Yeah. Jeez, man. I mean, you're a bigger Marvel fan than I am, but watching, you know, specifically those movies, you know, Civil War, Black Panther, you know, the latter stages of the MCU, he's just such a big part of it. He's huge. And Civil War, like, at the time, you know, for a Marvel fan, I mean, this was two years before Infinity War, three years before Endgame. So that was the biggest we'd ever seen yes. a comic book movie. And it was, you know, seeing Iron Man and Captain America fight for their beliefs. And in that movie, it's cool. Like, I watched it recently, and I kind of forgot that Black Panther is really more of a secondary antagonist in that movie. Yes. He's almost like a bad guy. But you get it. He's got this, just, this drive. And I love when he, he has one of my favorite lines where he's like, you know, I'm like, how long, you know, you know how powerful you know, I am. I'm a king. So like, how, how long do you think you can keep him away from me? Like, yeah, he's so scary in that movie because he's so determined. And I love that you need that movie to create the T'Challa we see in Black Panther because he yes. learns the value of mercy and the importance of leadership in that movie. And he brings those lessons to Black Panther. It's, you know, another example of how all of this is, you know, one intricately woven tapestry. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it, and it really is amazing that it's taken us this long to dive into one of these films. <laughs> I know, like over 100 episodes on, on the Film Guys and Podcasts are on 14 here Oscar Sunday and we have not covered a lot of superhero movies maybe like three none of them Marvel <laughs> yeah exactly none of them being MCU and it's just so fitting that you know this is the one that I mean seven Oscar nominations that's 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 a that's, that's a lot that's a lot uh that year the most was uh Roman the favorite they both had 10 yeah so seven that's right up th- that's right there man you know uh, really competing with the kind of like Oscar bait and Oscar, you know, movies that have Oscar written all over them. And it's just, yeah, it's just a change of pace here for Oscar Sunday, but it's definitely a film that we want to do on Filmgasm at some point. But with, yeah, with the sudden death of Chadwick Boseman and knowing that he was doing all these things as this character while battling cancer. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and, and essentially all of the Marvel movies that he's yeah. in all of the Marvel movies and a lot of, you know, his other movies. And he was, you know, he's visiting children in hospitals, like in the cancer ward. Like this man is such a fucking champion. Like what he did and how he did it. I I can't believe it. I mean, he really, he, he knew he was dying and he wanted to go out like a star. He wanted to have the film career that he wanted and he fucking did it yeah and, i mean he could have been you know he he's gonna be remembered forever and i got nothing but admiration respect and love for chadwick boseman and that'll never change he's yeah he's forever gonna be listed among my favorite actors yeah agreed and we are going to get into black panthers awards what it was nominated for and what it won but i do i, I want to keep going with this just chadwick boseman conversation yeah because because i, I really do want to know what, what's like if you had to kind of rank his filmography, like what, what would it be for you? My favorite is easily get on up. That, Me too. That is yeah. just such a great movie. So rewatchable. He captures the just talent and craziness of James Brown. So perfectly. Yeah. And, uh, 
that's definitely number one. I would put probably Black Panther or Civil War around two and three. Yeah. Um, I really liked 42. Uh, yeah, he's great. He's great as Jackie. Yeah. It pissed me off big time, but I really liked 42. And then Marshall was another like kind of sleeper hit that not really, not a lot of people really saw, but it was so good. Yeah. Uh, the Five Bloods was fantastic. He's, um, he's really good in that. Yeah. yeah. The only two I thought were just kind of okay were 21 Bridges and Message from the King. Everything else I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, even I, in those we, movies, he was great. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's always the thing with Chadwick. And that's kind of like the sign of a, yeah, like a movie star, an actor's actor. And, and we had, we've had this conversation, you know, throughout this week, we've been kind of talking about him and watching these movies, rewatching them and diving into, you know, diving into his career. And we both feel like he could have played a villain really well. Oh, yes. And, and that, you know, with you, you just kind of think your mind goes there. You know, those are the things you start thinking about when an amazing actor like this, you know, goes away you know when philip seymour hoffman died he was 46 and you're just like oh man you know yeah there's there, there's so much more that these you know these people could have done that 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 could be a selfish thought but i think it's a human thought right it's a True, it's a yeah. very because we are fans and we are uh, we admire you, you brought up you had admiration for chadwick as do i well it's also so sad you know he was 43 years old I mean, he was so young. He had such a huge career ahead of him. And we, you know, we don't, we didn't know him. Like, th- we're, the way we're looking at this yeah. is from a fan's perspective. We loved yes. what he gave us. We loved what he did. And so I don't think it's that selfish to say that, you know, we are very sad about the, you know, his massive potential that was snuffed out. That's Because yeah. that's the side of him that we all saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cra- crazy, man. I-, I think I'm in agreement with you as far as, get on up is is his most impressive performance yeah He's really 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 pushing himself and ah man some of the some of the you know the just the the pure per- production design and costume design in that movie is is underrated i couldn't uh, believe that film got completely shut out of the awards i was so expecting that to like dominate i thought it was such a great movie me too i know yeah and you know if you want to we have reviews up for these on filmgasm if you want to check those out, uh, pretty much any Trevor Bozeman movie, we have something up there. Yes. Because uh, yes. we, wa- we watched them all this week. But Black Panther. Uh, I, you know, we were both working at Alamo Drafthouse when this came out. <laughs> yes, we were. I, you know, w- was working quite a bit. And I remember that movie was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. And a lot of people were in attendance for, for those, those screenings. So. I didn't get to see it until maybe like two weeks after it came out. So when you work at Alma draft house and you're a server or a food runner, you're constantly in the theater. Right. And you're, so you're yeah. seeing bit, you're seeing bits of the movie, seeing bits of the movie. And so it, you know, it just kind of like sometimes can wear on you. And that's what happened a little bit with black Panther for me personally. I was like, man, just like this movie's busy as hell. We're showing it all the time. And, you know, th- this happened with Thor Ragnarok in the in fall of 2017. This, of course, happened with Infinity War, uh, where you're just like, man, I'm seeing so much of this movie before I, before I get to sit down and actually, you know, process it. But when I did finally sit down and watch Black Panther, I was, I was absolutely blown away by the tone of it, the sheer, the sheer, you know, 
audacity of some of it, the colors, the, the, the Wakanda, the way it looks is so fucking cool. The soundtrack is, I mean, come on, you know, it's unbelievable how they were able to do all of these things within this two hour piece of media. And it represents so much culture. And when I watched it this time, I liked it more than I ever have. And that's not just because of Chadwick. It's the rest, the rest of the movie is fantastic. Lupita Nyong'o, uh, unbelievable performance from her. Um, I would say that, you know, Forrest Whitaker is a guy we kind of get used to just being awesome whenever he's on the screen. He's great. He is great in this movie. Sterling K. Brown's bit is really fucking good. So when all these things are working and it's this big cultural, you know, piece, I, I just kind of refell in love with it this time. And that was, that was really amazing for me to, to go through. That's not a love. That's what I love most about Marvel is they don't need to put this level of effort and care into their individual films. Cause you know, they know everyone's going to pay the big bucks to see the Avengers movies. They could just phone these in, but they don't, they know how important each one is. And black Panther could have been just, you know, a watered down, you know, version of what it became, but they, Ryan Coogler was so determined to make this awesome movie that celebrates all aspects of black culture and really like gives the black community a hero to rally behind. Cause you know, let's, let's be honest here. Most super, like pretty much every superhero who's been in a movie except blade. is a white guy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, black Panther was you know huge for that community. And, like that's you know a big part of why it was a billion dollar grocer. It's one of Marvel's most successful films, and it's so good. It is so good. Yeah, <laughs> they, they took they took care of it. And you know I'll bring up Ragnarok again, right? You hire a guy, let him do his thing, let him put his spin on it. It's funny, it's different, and boom, it's the best Thor movie by fucking miles. You know, and and same thing with Black Panther. I just you brought up those things. I like, they don't really have to care. You're right. <laughs> They're going to make their money. They're going to make their money no matter what. So when they do put, you know, the time and effort into these things, especially with black Panther, they took it really seriously that it is really the first major black superhero. And come on, you know, all the generations of, of, you know, black kids growing up that don't get to see themselves on the big screen that, you know, that's just so fucked up. And for this movie to to not only come out but be as good as it is, is yeah, is so awesome, so kick ass. Do you remember back in late 2017 when they dropped the trailer for this? Oh yeah, I oh, was yeah. such a badass teaser with "Run the the Duel. Revolution will not be televised." Holy shit, man! I was like, I'm gonna see. Oh my god, opening night! Like, holy fuck! I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah Marvel kills yeah. it with their trailers, but Black Panther that first trailer is one of their best. I still I watch that from time to time. I watched it earlier today. It's just such a great trailer. Oh, we could do a whole podcast just breaking down every trailer of all the MCU movies. I mean, that, that's easy. And again, it really is amazing that this hasn't been brought up because I know how dear the MCU is to your heart. Yeah. And, and if you've listened to our Filmgasm podcast, then maybe you heard our top 10 movies of the decade, but you had Endgame number one. I did, yes. And, you know, in comparison to Endgame, I know that's like a 10 out of 10, like a perfect movie to you. Yes. Is Black Panther close at all? Or is it like, ah, you don't have a chance because all of the characters are in this one. I love Black Panther to death. None of the Marvel films come close to Endgame. 
<laughs> it's that movie. Come on, such come on. Incredible, monumental achievement. Infinity War. Infinity War. Infinity War is right there, but Endgame is so goddamn satisfying that it's just yeah. impossible to match up. Marvel. That's kind the of thing. Peak here. That's the thing. That's the thing. Is Infinity War is satisfying, but not all the way. It it still fucks with you. And I like when movies do. I like when movies do that. You actually had to wait a year. Like, oh my god. And that's because of Infinity War. Infinity War fucking hurt. Like that yeah, movie. You, people, people walked out crying of that, yeah. out of that movie. Out of a Marvel movie, people walked out sobbing. And I was like, what happened? It was crazy. I saw it opening night. And every, I remember because everyone, uh, everyone who worked there was like giving me the stink eye. Like, you son of a bitch. You took off tonight? You bastard. And I'm like, yeah, I did. This and is- I looked around. I looked around at people like, it's Connor, you idiots. <laughs> this is very important to me, and you all knew that. Anyway, I see the movie. It happens, the snap, roll credits. Everyone walks out. Nobody's saying a word. There is no camaraderie. There's no, like, that was awesome. Everyone's just, like, silent. Yeah. And it was crazy. And then I'm like, we got to wait a year to find out what happened for that. Jesus Christ. To end a movie with, like, literally killing off half the universe including so many fan favorites, like, you know, Black Panther, for instance, to just ax them like that. Ballsy move. Incredibly ballsy move. And they, you, I didn't, I knew they were going to be, a, like, they were going to deliver a great follow-up, but of course, the anticipation, the insane standard that Endgame had to live up to. And it not only hit that standard, it fucking surpassed it by miles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I agree with you that in game just just by just by sheer you know um, accomplishment it's a it's yeah. the better it's the better film it's the finisher it's really good like you said it's actually really good but for me as a fan <laughs> Infinity, Infinity War the tone of like that that aspect like you pointed out the snap and credits rolling and people being like whoa 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 hold on. They hadn't gone there the entire time. True. And they went there. They went there. I've never felt that in, a, in any superhero movie where I was like, oh my God. This True. might actually, they might actually be fucked a little bit here. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really believe that. You know, you watch the Batman movies, you're like, Gotham's just fucked. So it's like, whatever. But, you know, with the MCU here, you're typically, typically it's, um, I'm not going to say it's predictable. But it's typically Certainly like, huh, formulaic. There's definitely, you know, yes. they, I am, yeah. I'm aware of that for sure. And, and, you know, of course, at the beginning, you know, the Iron Mans and, the, and those are just not as good in quality and they get better and better as they give uh, certain writers and directors uh, more freedom. I, I, I just, I, can't, I couldn't believe that they actually did that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and for that reason, for that like sheer, it's almost like Kubrick for sheer shock. <laughs> I, I, I love Infinity War the most out of all of them. Well, for me, like, they're both 10s, but for completely different reasons. Yeah. And Endgame delivered on, you know, 10 years of established Yes. Like, yes, yeah. It's so, like, it really ties up everything so neatly. Everyone's, you know, story feels earned. Like, nothing feels forced. It's really amazing that a film, you know, the 19th or 20th film in this franchise can pay off. Like, yes. that to me is an incredible accomplishment that like nothing else can really compare to i mean nobody's ever done anything like this before and everyone who's tried has crashed and burned really hard and 
Marvel just, I, I can't help it. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's like the way I wanted, you know, it's what I wanted to see when I was a kid is these amazing crossovers. But, and I never thought about it. But they did it and they did it for me. It felt, you know, it was for me. Those moments like yeah. Captain America lifting the, the hammer and, you know, the, all the heroes coming through the portals, going back in time and, you know, to each, like to all the big movies. Like it was such a fucking, ah, I could gush about that movie forever. I love it to death. Yeah, no, that's that's what that's what we do here on our podcast. Is it's it's fun to admire movies and reminisce about those moments in the theater and those moments at home, like with your family. And you pointed out this movie's for me, and there's nothing better than that, right? I would say that you know there's some movies from 2018. Um, uh, Infinity War, Black Panther, both came out in 2018. Another movie that 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 shook me and made me really sad was A Star Is Born which came out in 2018. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, that's another best picture nominee. And uh, we, we will certainly have a show where we bring up all of the 2018 best picture nominees. It's just, I would just it's better. It's just better wanna, to talk about black Panther and Marvel. <laughs> I just want to say this in a year where two very significant films by black filmmakers, black Panther and black Klansman are both there. They, they gave best picture to the, the race race film made by the white guy <laughs> yeah i know i know you see that's why that's why we have to put that on its own podcast yep because <laughs> that adds another hour to our show <laughs> i have a lot of feelings i have a lot a lot of feelings about that group of movies some of them i love very much but the one that won i don't <laughs> uh do, do you think do you think black panther belongs in that group or do you think um, infinity war does that's a, or both or that's both a, that's a loaded question <laughs> um, no i don't I, know i, I don't think i don't think it is i i think i can answer it i would take i would take bohemian rhapsody out and i'd put infinity war in it's that simple to me yeah i'd i think black panther earned the nomination i don't think it was nominated for the right reasons i think that the academy gave black panther the nomination because it was so popular i don't think they gave it nomination because they recognize its cultural significance i'll I'll say that yeah yeah and that's obviously it felt like to me they were like look what we did over here with this movie but they still gave they still gave fairly like you said the white movie about race they still gave them the big movie the big uh award like at the when when the golden globes happened and and black panther was up for best picture drama I remember thinking, that's weird. Why is this here? Like, there's no way they're going to give that a Best Picture nomination. And the Oscars were now Followed suit. Holy yeah. shit. It's, it's up for it. So it was, it was cool, but it just didn't feel right, you know? But maybe that's because it's the first one to do it. Yeah. I, I, on, yeah, this is a tough conversation. And with, with, I think we have the same logic here. And with that logic, Civil War should have been up in 2016. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of superhero. I think The Dark Knight should have been up. I think it really depends. You know, genre gets thrown completely out the window for me when it comes to the Oscars. It should be the merits of the film. It should be the, how good the movie is. Who gives a shit if it's a superhero movie or a drama or a horror movie or a sci-fi movie, comedy? Who gives a shit? Is it a great movie? And if so, what, you know, why? What are the pieces here that we want to honor? Yes, and I really wish they thought that way. 
because then we would you know Black Panther wouldn't be the first superhero movie up for Best Picture. It would be like you know the ninth by now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, so yeah, it does feel in a way that they were making up for some, you know, for their lack of lack of judgment, you know, in the past, and yeah, trying to make a certain, you know, obviously, a, you know, they're like, oh, our black audience doesn't like us, so. Again, yeah, they had that too, the Oscars So White thing. They had the makeup mm-hmm. for that, and they thought, oh, this huge black superhero movie made over a billion dollars. Let's throw that some love. Maybe they'll watch our show. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and then you, all the way at the end, this three-hour show, again, fairly is the last face you see. So it's just hard. It's just tough when you're trying to, you know, have this conversation about what are the Oscars doing exactly. And I, I'm, I just really hope that, you know, with all the changes they've made throughout this year during COVID and how, you know, obviously the theaters are, some of them are in crisis and, and whatnot. I just, I, I believe and I hope that, you know, the Academy is moving in a good direction. I think they are. I think uh, last year was a very big step in a, prog- in a progressive direction for them. I think we talked about this a lot, but, you know, giving Parasite Best Picture was really, really big for them really huge to set that kind of precedent. So I think that we're going to be looking at some surprises in the next few years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Obviously this year is going to look kind of strange no matter what, but yeah, I, I yeah. think, you know, give it, give it five or six years. I think, yeah, it could look like a totally different award show and just what kind of films are up. And you, like you said, we got to break down that genre barrier of people thinking that yeah. only these kinds of films should be up. Yeah, genre films have been struggling to get into the awards game since the very beginning. For some, you know, these film critics look at these films as lesser. They look at them as pulpy. They look at them as, you know, not art. And that's just not true at all. It's never been true. And I I think they're just now starting to realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Cannot say how big the multiple wins for Parasite is. Yeah, took home like a lot of the big ones. Director, screenplay, yeah. best picture. You just, you, you just uh, the, the only thing that's confusing about that, if I could only pick, if I could pick one nit about that, yep. is if, it get, if it's up for all these things, how, how is there not one acting for, um, nomination? Baby you know, step. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So you don't, yeah, you want to take what you can get, right? And, yeah. and it certainly was a great night. Uh, we watched them together and that's what we're going to try to continue to do and who knows what the show will look like this year, but <laughs> yeah, it might be all through zoom. Who knows? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 2020 is, is wild, but um, we're going to go back in time a little bit. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about the nominations first and then the, the three that it won. So uh, Connor, if you want to take it from the bottom, I, I believe the first one is what sound mixing or sound editing, something like that. Yes, indeed. Um, Okay, so sound mixing. Uh, we have, we have, A Star is Born, Roma, First Man, Black Panther, and the winner, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody should have gotten any technical awards. I think that it was actually pretty poorly mixed together in the sound department. Uh, yes. I would have given this to First Man. Oh man, I love that answer. Uh, First Man, yeah, First Man's thoroughly underrated. I yeah, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody really compares to the rest of these. Um, Roma, Roma's doing some cool stuff, but I, I I don't think it 
is on the same level as first man. That's a good call. I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah. First man was, you know, Damien Chazelle's third film kind of got shut out mostly except for a couple technical stuff. It took home visual effects, but it didn't really make a splash, which is crazy. It's a great movie. Yeah. My theory on that is it came out the same day as a star is born and made, it it got crushed at the box office because (laughs) Because it was sometime in September, so you know you're thinking fall time, and if you're like going with your family to to the theater and you're choosing between those two, the family's going to choose the one with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just it, it it destroyed it those first couple weekends at the box office, and the first man got overlooked. Yep, but like a good movie fan, I saw both. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I just I just kept it like a day apart. Yeah, I think I saw yeah. Stars Born first. Yeah, and then then First Man. Yeah, A Star is Born was really good. I didn't know the story. I mean, this was the fourth version, so I hadn't seen any yet. And now was, we've seen. Now we've seen two. Yeah. Yes, yes, we have. I I was walking past um, somebody at it was back when we were still at Draft House. I was walking past somebody, and I heard one of the servers go, "Oh my God, I can't believe he hung himself." And I was like. Fuck you. <laughs> and then that, I was going to see it the next day. I think I know who it was. I bet I have a guess. Yeah. I was so pissed. Because I had a, I, I've had stuff spoiled by people there. Yeah. Frustrating so, as hell. So rude. My biggest complaint about that place is that I really thought going in that everyone was going to be such, you know, as big a movie fan as I was. Like, why else would you want to work here? Oh, I, yeah. Then I realized <laughs> everyone else here is just, you know, here for the paycheck. Oh my goodness. It was, it was very rare. You know, I don't want to say, you know, about everyone that worked worked there. There there were a few guys I talked to that, that, that knew some stuff about horror, right? Some, 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 some some guys that worked there, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it was like, what? I thought you, yeah. I thought I was coming into a movie environment. Yeah. Where the Mecca for me, man, this was huge. Ah, yeah, it was, it, it was pretty frustrating. You're just like, oh, I guess every job just sucks and people don't care. Like, what? Come on. Like, this place is cool. People love to come here. I love to come here. And now, oh, yeah. Yeah, I will say this, though. Draft House, despite the pretty low pay and the incredibly difficult job, it was the only job I've ever missed. Yeah, man, no, yeah. It's that I, I was going to definitely bounce off of that and say like i said there's some cool people there i met you there yeah and we've, we've seen some amazing amazing films there and some old ones some new ones and i i adore some of the experiences that i've had there yeah. i just I, I was just a little hurt by the process when you work in there i was like oh this isn't as yeah like energetic as i thought <laughs> nearly every movie up for the awards of this year i saw at alamo draft house Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get to see them for free there when you're working there and, and whatnot. So yeah, definitely utilize that. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, Roma was, was through Netflix. That was fun. Um, the favorite I saw at the Bijou, uh, green book I saw at embassy. Um, trying to think, is there anything else? First reformed. I, I, I didn't see that until it came out for rent and that's one of my favorite movies from this award show. Uh, if Beale Street could talk, we saw it together at Bijou. That's true. That's true. I did see that one. That's an underrated one from this year. Fantastic film. Um, as far see. as the best picture nominees go, I saw all of them at Draft House except for Roma, which was Netflix. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Me too, except for the favorite in Roma. Yeah. No, 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 no. I did not see Vice there. I saw Vice with a couple of friends at Embassy as well. Love Embassy. Santikos is the bomb. It is the bomb. And it's one of the few theaters around here that's open and taking things seriously. So Yeah, no, Santikos is definitely, definitely really trying to figure things out. Yeah, I've already seen three movies there. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so after sound mixing, we had sound editing which had Roma, A Quiet Place, First Man, Black Panther, and the winner, once again, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I'm surprised to see A Quiet Place here. Uh, I love it. Yeah, horror often you know, more shut out than any other genre when it comes to the Oscars. And uh, even a technical award is you know, a big step. And... Honestly, I think that movie did wonders with sound design. So I, I'm going to give it to Quiet Place. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, oh yeah. Especially when a horror movie is up for one, it typically earned the shit out of that spot. <laughs> uh, so I just echo what you said and yeah, got to give it to A Quiet Place. Um, some amazing stuff happening in that one and I cannot wait for the sequel. Yeah, I, I had some issues with A Quiet Place, but it looks like part two is going to clear all those up anyway. So I'm think, exactly. I think actively, I'm going to like the first one a lot more. Exactly. Uh, then we had Best Original Song. This was Here a we go. List. We have When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns. I'll Fight from RBG. All the stars from Black Panther and the winner, Shallow from A Star Is Born, and this was the only real guarantee at that Oscars. Like, there's no way A Star Is Born is going to lose Best Song, and uh, it's, it's a great song. I'll admit, Shallow is a great song, but All the Stars is a powerful fucking song. <laughs> yeah, when the when the credits start playing and you're seeing the amazing, you know, kind of animation with the credits. And Sizz's voice. Oh, that's not. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I, I can't say enough, you know, about the amazing soundtrack altogether of Black Panther, but also the soundtrack altogether of Star is Born. There are some other songs in there that are, that are real powerful. Um, Bradley Cooper, who knew? Yeah, he worked really hard to make himself a singer. Like, he trained for that. And that was his movie, straight up. I still, I still really dig that movie, man. I've seen it a few times now, and I, and he's just, he's got that that it quality, and he knows it. Uh, he's totally self aware. Um, we've seen some shots of him. He's going to be in Paul Thomas Anderson's movie. I love the decisions he's made. The be decisions he's making as a, you know, an actor, director, just creator. You know, it's awesome. Absolutely. I never would have thought like that, you know, the guy from the hangover would end up being one of the major power players in Hollywood. Just, I know. Or what does he have? Four or five nominations under his belt already. Something like and that. Yeah. Def destined for a win. Like he's almost like, he reminds me a lot of George Clooney. Oh yeah. He definitely has, has that kind of quality of like, uh, and of that's great. Clooney's great. Cause Clooney was able to branch out and has been able to do all kinds of different things. And yeah. Cooper will probably go even further. He's, he seems a little bit like stranger, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like Cooper is one of those guys kind of like, kind of like Brad Pitt and Clooney in the way that he's trapped inside of, <laughs> instead of, a, inside of a movie star's body. But he's like, I'm weird. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's awesome. Bradley Cooper is one of my 
favorite guys working today. Yeah, I think he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of potential to just keep, keep going. So what's the verdict on song? Do you think shallow keeps it or do you want to give it to all the stars? Yeah, no, all the stars, all the stars. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I, I, again, I love both soundtracks, but it's like the Black Panther one is like an album and it's fucking just really good. You know, I love TD. I love J-Rock. I love Isaiah Rashad. So all those guys being on, you know, or Absol. Yeah. I love all those rappers and them being on that album is really special. Um, Anderson packs a little, you know, something's in the world. Like all that album's really good as a rap album, but it's also a dope ass soundtrack, you know? And so yeah, that, that shit's awesome. You know, I got to give it to black Panther. And um, I, I also think it's probably the best Marvel soundtrack along with the guardians of the galaxy stuff. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, not a lot of Marvel films, you know, use, they're not all, you know, no. soundtracks. No. A lot of the scores are pretty similar, which is a shame. That's a big thing with those, those, those first like eight or nine movies. You're kind of like, hmm, the vibe sometimes feels a little too similar where you're like, I want to be in a comic book here. Come on. Like, yeah, I want something different. So yeah, you're, you're right. When they decide to use the music, it, it changes everything. I think a lot of that also is owed to Disney because for the first few, it was Paramount distributing these yes. films. And Disney bought Marvel Studios. So now they have endless pockets to buy the rights to whatever music they want. They secured Zeppelin. Nobody buys Zeppelin. <laughs> and yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, say what you want about Disney and their monopoly on the entertainment industry, but they've done wonders with Marvel. I wish they would put that same care into their Star Wars products, but who, who cares at this point? yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i give it to all the stars too i think that especially now there's something somber about that song knowing what happened to chadwick and uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's a song that just you know kind of makes me tear up a little bit now yeah ah, it's such a good such a good jam i encourage everybody to go play it really loudly wherever they can absolutely blast that shit um, and then the uh, last film it was nominated for was uh, last award it was nominated for was Best Picture, where we have Vice, A Star Is Born, Roma, The Favorite, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman, Black Panther, and the divisive winner, Green Book. Woo! <laughs> Best Picture of 2018. Now's your chance. What should have won Best Picture in 2018? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep it short because I'll save you know we'll save all of our yeah. like deep thoughts about all of these films. Um, short answer: I think it should have been Roma. Okay. All right. Interesting pick. I think we are a year late on the the foreign Best Picture winner. Okay. Roma, I liked. I didn't love it. I thought a lot of it was a little bit difficult to get through. Um, yeah the ultimate like the you know the ending was was really sweet and very heartwarming uh i don't think it has the same rewatchability as a lot of these films uh yeah that's fair i I like i like alfonso cuaron so much that i you know you know there's directors for you and for any film fan and he's one of those guys for me that i like to study and just kind of just see what the fuck he's you know thinking you know (laughs) Yeah, of course. Absolutely. He's definitely one of those guys. He's never, he's got like no two films of his are the same. He's always experimenting. Yeah. And there I, I've so far, I really, really like them all. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Easily a good pick. I personally would give best picture to vice. 
I think that is a brilliant, That's... like, overlooked film. Featured Christian Bale's, in, like, the most incredible performance of his career. And uh, it's a film that has a lot to say. I think that the Oscars, you know, might not have gone that way because it was, you know, specifically because it was very political. Uh, I, the rest of these films, a lot of them are good. Uh, there's not a lot of greats of this year. Um, um yeah. I, uh, you know, uh, let's see. I love The Favorite. And I love Roma. And Vice. Those three are, like, I love. And then A Star is Born, I, yeah, is, is pretty good. Pretty solid. Some, some good stuff happening there. Black Panther, Black Klansman. And then for sure for me, Green Book and Bohemian are, are my least favorite. But my favorite movie out of this entire, you know, thing, you know, out of the entire award show is got to be Minding the Gap, which uh, was up for Best Documentary. Um, Bing Liu's film, just riveting stuff. And uh, surely we're going to do it on the show one day because we just kind of decide what happens. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is an interesting year for sure. So your favorite out of this, your favorite and the one that should have won, you think is Vice? Probably, yeah. That movie, like, I loved Adam McKay's take on Dick Cheney and just showing yeah. how insane everything that happened was. And Christian Bale disappeared into that role. He really is just unbelievable in Vice. That's more of a rob than anything from this award show is Christian yes. Bale losing to Rami Malek. We're, we're going to go too deep. We'll move on from <laughs> For this was a danger. Yeah, there's no way we're going to get away it's, with it. It's very, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Because <laughs> it's a, it's a div- divisive group of movies. Yeah. True. So let's go into the films that Black Panther won. I mean, the awards. I don't know why I keep mixing those up. The awards that Black Panther won. It won three Oscars. First up, Best Production Design. We have Roma, Mary Poppins Returns, First Man, The Favorite, and Black Panther. And Black Panther's production design is unreal. I mean, Wakanda. You, you can't really beat that. <laughs> they created Wakanda straight out of the comic books with a very specific, you know, flavor. And it's so epic. It's so awesome. Uh, I think the only real competition it had was the favorite. Yeah, those, those, those set pieces typically do really well at the Oscars, right, in these categories. And, and the favorite is, is, is intense, and it looks amazing. Yeah, and with this win, uh, production designer Hannah Beachler became the first African-American to be nominated for and win this award. Yeah, incredible. Pretty awesome. And it, yeah, like I said, Wakanda looks incredible. You can't really tell where the set design ends and the CGI begins. It really is like a flawless combo. And uh, yeah, I don't think this was... I think it was definitely going to win that one. And this also, Easily. Easily. these are the only three Oscars the MCU has. There's ne- like They've never won any other awards, which is pretty amazing. So Black Panther's the one that brought Marvel some gold. <laughs> to put in the cabinet with all those billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they're, you know, there's, they've been sobbing in the back the whole time. They, they're fine. <laughs> but this is, more, this is more for us. <laughs> yes, yeah. It also won costume design where it was up against Mary Queen of Scots, the favorite Mary Poppins Returns, and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. So we got three kind of similar ones where you got, again, kind of set piece type yeah. clothing and then Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Coen Brothers underrated film, but 
it's got to go to Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, not just the Black Panther costume, but, you know, the various tribes of Wakanda and the oh my God. Like, incredible, you know, distinct costume for each group. It's the, <laughs> the, uh, the thought put into the costume design here is incredible. They really put so much attention to detail in that front. And yeah, this was definitely, and usually I would say for costume design, when in doubt, bet on the period film. Because that's, you know, usually that's what takes it. But in this case, yeah, Ruth E. Carter took the costume design, became the first African-American to win the, the Oscar for costume design. Incredible. Incredible stuff. And Black Panther not just had, you know, a black director and a black cast, had a black crew. And that is, that's pretty awesome. Fuck yeah, dude. It's amazing to see shows and movies, and, you know, doing that. Hiring, hiring people with intent, the saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give these people these jobs because it's been far too long that they've been neglected. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you got to love it because, uh, you know, having a black director like Kugler, who's proven to tell black stories on the screen so well, uh, it's, it, that's so important for that to translate to the audience, you know, and for it to make sense on the screen uh good good point man that's that's for sure it's black panther is a an iconic movie for black culture and american culture altogether 100 percent, 100 percent. and the final oscar it won was best original score uh the one that i think that it fucking earned the most uh so we have mary poppins returns by mark shaman isle of dogs by alexandra Desplat, if bill street could talk by nicholas Bertel. And Black Klansman by Terrence Blanchard. Ludwig Goranson took it for Black Panther. And he fucking killed this score. Holy shit. The score is my favorite thing about Black Panther. It's a mixture of like, you know, rap beats and tribal music. And just, it's such a great combo that really just represents, you know, Wakanda and its place in the MCU. And yeah, I'm so glad Ludwig, Ludwig Goranson took this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say he has a little bit of competition, but before I get to him, Ludwig, it's funny because we just talked about how black the movie is, and here's this long-haired white guy on the stage like, hey. Uh, <laughs> I was not and, expecting that. And he, um, you know, I, I, I knew of this guy's name because he, uh, in one of my favorite, you know, uh, hip-hop rap albums of the decade would be Because of the Internet by Childish Gambino. Um, and he's the one who produced that 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 album and he also played guitar on um the worst guys probably my favorite track from that album so i had knew knew of his name so when i saw he was attached to black panther i was like oh he's totally gonna um you know like you said implement these different kinds of sounds and my favorite part would be when we're seeing killmonger steal the vibranium and there's that just kind of like and there's this undertone beat and it's just it's exquisite and one of the best parts of the movie killmonger's theme easily my favorite part too it's so chilling it's great and the reason you know uh Gorenson has done the score for a lot of kugler's films because they met at uh usc so they've been friends for a very long time yeah and so ludwig knows kugler's style and he compliments him so well I mean, he also did the score for Creed and uh, Rootvale Station. So, yeah, he, exactly. Yeah, Gorenson is a, is a rock star. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's been around the block. Uh, I, I do think that Nicholas uh, Brutel, 
is one of the very, very special names right now. Yeah. Um, when it, when it comes to composers and, and, and guys that are working on scores for movies and TV, and that would be his work with Barry Jenkins on this, uh, if Beale Street could talk and, and moonlight. And then his work on, um, succession on HBO is one of the coolest intro songs I've ever heard for a TV show. He's just a fucking brilliant artist and I, I can't wait to see what else he does, but Ludwig definitely, definitely takes this one. Yeah. Right on. And honestly, I, I haven't seen Isle of Dogs, so I can't speak for that one, but oh. Mary Poppins returns is incredibly forgettable. And, uh, I don't remember the music from Black Klansman either. Terrence Blanchard is, you know, he's, that guy's a legend, right? He's yeah. a, he's a guy who has worked with Spike Lee a lot. We've, we've, t- we've talked about him prior to, to this show on when we did Defy Bloods on our uh, second episode of this entire podcast. So it was um, a lot of fun because, you know, you see those things and Terrence Blanchard's a guy who's popped up a bunch in his filmography and here he is, uh, Black Klansman. He's a guy who captures that kind of, jazzy old school you know kind of like 70s 80s that a lot of black films were using at that time and he's able to capture it really well because he was also doing it at that time (laughs) he's been doing it forever so i i do love some of those sounds but i understand how it kind of gets lost amongst these and i could you know i could talk about wes anderson and isle of dogs all day so uh we'll we'll just move on from there (laughs) fair enough uh so yeah those are the awards black panther took home three of seven Yes. And uh, those three were, were well-earned. <laughs> 100%. Black Panther has a, nom- a IMDb score of 7.3. Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%. Very, very good. It grossed $1.3 billion on a budget of $200 million. Unbelievable. So, one of the biggest successes Marvel's ever made. One of the highest grossing films of all time. Yeah, I'd call that a success. <laughs> uh, yeah, slightly. And Black Panther, uh, just to, I just wanted to throw this out. Black Panther was a character created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 1966. And he is known as the first superhero of African descent in mainstream American comics. And that's, that's, that's pretty significant how far he's come as a character and kind of an, you know, an icon of black culture, especially after the movie. Yeah, extremely, extremely important. And it seemed like Stan Lee, over time, a rest in peace to him as well, right? And, you know, it seemed like over time, it seemed like over time he understood more and more how important characters like Black Panther are. Yeah. And, and yeah, you just gotta, you gotta love him for having that awareness as time goes on. Well, he created the X-Men as a metaphor for homosexuality and, you know, an identity that we're not, you know, we don't choose, but we're born with and we have to accept that. And other people have to accept that about us. And you know, that was incredibly progressive for you know, the 1960s. Extremely and, badass. Yeah. yeah. Stan Lee, I think, has always been at the forefront of uh, progression when it comes to his comic books. He's always had something to say. His characters yeah. have always been, always been, you know, every man, you know, not like, you know, rich, you know, playboy like Batman or an alien god like Superman, but... You know, take Spider-Man. He's a, you know, broke kid who's a journalist who just wants to do the right thing. They're not a journalist, but a photographer. And a lot of his superheroes are, you know, just like that. There's regular people who got, you know, were in an accident or were born with powers and they just want to do the right thing. Yeah. I, I, love, I love that. It's, it's, it's relatable. God, I love that. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black Panther is yeah, he's uh, ranked at number fifty-one on IGN's top one hundred comic book heroes of all time. Wow, wow. Yeah, I think number one was uh, Superman. Which okay, isn't really a surprise. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Well, I think with that, let's talk a bit about the story of Black Panther. Yeah, let's do this. So we open on a voice from a young boy asking his father to tell him the story, the story of home. And we learn about the creation of the African nation of Wakanda, where a meteor made of vibranium, the most powerful substance in the world, uh, crashed in Africa and around it bloomed this culture of people who were supremely technologically advanced because of this substance, vibranium, which if you are a, you know, consistent Marvel fan is the substance that Captain America's shield is made out of. Yes. And uh, I guess it's no longer the most powerful substance in the world because Thanos cut that thing to shit in Endgame. (laughs) Um, So we learn about, you know, the nation of Wakanda became more technologically advanced than any other nation on earth. And five tribes came together to declare a king who would be the protector of Wakanda, the Black Panther. And they would eat this heart-shaped herb that's affected by the vibranium, and it gives this person enhanced abilities and the power to protect Wakanda. And uh, four of these tribes submitted to the power. One did not. The Jabari, they retreated into the mountains. But the other four, you know, followed the Black Panther. And they isolated themselves from the rest of the world, afraid that if the world knew what Wakanda had, they would take it. And that mentality has stayed the same for thousands of years. Wakanda is a secret nation. Nobody knows what they have because in this world, you know, people fear what they don't understand and they want to destroy it. So, you know, it makes sense for, you know, T'Challa to want to keep his people safe, but he doesn't, you know, he has very strict uh, um, opposition from a lot of people he governs. Yes. But we'll we'll learn about that later. (laughs) So... Everyone thinks Wakanda is this third world country, which we saw in Civil War. You know, they think it's this, you know, barren wasteland that for some reason refuses to accept foreign aid. <laughs> and it's, it's funny the way that like, that never comes up in, uh, like the real Wakanda never comes up in Civil War. <laughs> like they, you know, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we go to Oakland, where we meet uh, Prince Njobu, played by Sterling K. Brown, in a brief but very important and significant role. Yes, and how about him? So His good. stock has gone up significantly in the past few years. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I love, love the man. I think he's got all kinds of traps and has the bar has been raised by you know, him doing stuff like this. And uh, he's great in waves and his, his work in TV on This Is Us. Yeah, man, he's everywhere. It's funny because to me, he will always be this crazy vampire hunter called, named Gordon Walker on the third season of Supernatural who goes nuts because he thinks that Sam Winchester is the Antichrist. So that's who I always pictured Sterling K. Brown. So when he popped up in these movies, I'm like, wow, like, where's he been? And then I found, about the, I found out about This Is Us, and I'm like, oh, he's been on a very successful TV show. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Winning Emmys and Golden Globes. <laughs> yeah, left and right. He's the man making people cry. Oh, yeah. And he fucking does that again in this movie. <laughs> he plays yeah. Killmonger's father, who is uh, trying to 
trying to do something. We never find out what his, um, what his plan is here, but he's trying to do something with weapons. Uh, it's, it's revealed in a backstory off screen that what he's trying to do is he's trying to break Killmonger's mother out of prison. And uh, apparently that never went down, which is why Killmonger grew up, you know, in foster care. Yeah. But, uh, and, and why he, he's partly so angry. Yeah. I would be angry too. And this, you know, if I find out about all this shit. Yeah. What Njobu wants to do is he wants to share Wakanda's technology with black people across the planet so they can rise up against their oppressors and dominate the world. And King T'Chaka is like, absolutely not. That's not who we are. And Njobu went so far as to team up with arms dealer Ulysses Claw, played by a highly underrated Andy Serkis, I might add. And uh, him and uh, Claw blew up Wakanda, like their uh, entry, like they, they, he blew up at a guard post, killed some people, stole a bunch of vibranium, and Njobu helped him do it. So T'Chaka yeah. is there to look his brother in the eye when he says, you know, did you do it? But Zuri, his spy, who's been with Njobu this whole time, confirms that, yeah, he did it. And uh, that's, the, that's the last we see of him. He's going to be arrested for treason. And outside playing basketball is young Killmonger who sees a Wakandan ship fly away from his father's apartment. And that image is seared in his mind and he never forgets. In the present day, we follow, like it picks up right after the end of Civil War where King T'Chaka was killed by Helmut Zemo. And now T'Challa is on his way back to Wakanda to be crowned the king. And he's nervous, and he's unsure of himself, and he's mourning his father. And along the way, he picks up his uh, ex-girlfriend, Nakia, one of their spies, who uh, they have a kind of a will-they-won't-they they, you know, history. And Lupita Nyong'o plays Nakia, and she's fantastic. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, she, she's um, another person who's just kind of like, Found her, found her groove with with uh, twelve years a slave, and hasn't stopped getting better and better. For sure, won an Oscar like right out the gate, and has just been improving on her performances and uh, kind of dipping her toes in a lot of different franchises. I mean, yeah, she's part of the MCU. She's in the Star Wars universe. She's uh, one of Jordan Peele's people. Like she's, yeah, she's got whatever you know. She does whatever she wants. She was in a horror comedy, Little Monsters. Yeah. She's- oh. Yes. She's, she's, she's the shit. I love her. <laughs> Little Monsters, that was such a great movie. <laughs> um, so T'Challa informs Nakia that his father's dead and it's time to crown the new king. He goes with his uh, bodyguard, Okoye, uh, played by Michonne from The Walking Dead. Her breakout role. Oh, yeah. Well, not her breakout role, but her breakout movie role. Yes. I think she left The Walking Dead <laughs> because her... her uh, her stock rose pretty big after this. <laughs> uh, we go to Wakanda. We meet uh, Queen Ramunda, Ramunda, I think her name is, and uh, his sister Shuri. And that's Angela Bassett and Letitia Wright. And the whole cast um, is great. <laughs> God, Angela Bassett, what a queen. You know, she's just been killing it for decades. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Shuri, we find out, is the, like, the most brilliant person in Wakanda, and she builds all of the tech out of vibranium, which is a which is cool. And we see kind of like she's like the Q of Wakanda, and we see her yes. give uh, T'Challa a bunch of new tech, nanotech yeah. mostly that 
once Wakanda does open its borders, Tony Stark then uses to build a new suit in Infinity War. It all comes back together. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a reason for it. Ah, so great. We go to the uh, challenge day, which is pretty epic. The entire country comes to see the crowning of the new king. But first, he's got to pass a test of, you know, of test of uh, metal. And at first, it doesn't look like anybody's going to challenge him because everyone's like, yeah, of course, you're the rightful king. We love you. And then the Jabari show up. <laughs> and that, I get chills every time I hear their, like, bark. <sighs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and we meet M'Baku, their leader, played by Winston Duke. He fucking kills it. I think one of the most underrated actors in this movie. Like, he is fucking awesome. Yeah, if he had a little more screen time, I would, like, consider him for Best Supporting Actor. He is so damn good. He does the accent. He does that accent. He's really frightening. And the stature of him, how he's not, you know, he's not as chiseled as Michael B. in Chadwick. He's just a big, burly dude, and he's awesome. He's beefy. Like, I feel like he could, you know, fuck up anybody there. (laughs) I love that, like, seeing, you know, that performance and then watching, like, an interview with Winston Duke, and he's this, like, teddy bear. Yeah, well, seeing him and us basically playing Jordan Peele was like, wow, this guy's guy's got range. I also love that Ryan Coogler took the character of Man-Ape, a fairly racist caricature in the comic books, and made him this imposing, like, well-rounded, badass character. Props, man, props, big time. Way to, you know, rescue a character from, you know, racial obscurity and give him a new life. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. And he just, you know, says, you know, we've been watching from the mountains while you fucked up this country and now we're taking it back. Yeah. I'm challenging you. And Shaw is like, make a move. <laughs> and they fight and it looks like, you know, it's kind of even evenly matched for most of it. But the Chala- Oh, and Mbaku starts kicking his ass when he starts headbutting him and he's like, you know, no power. Like you can't even keep your dad safe. You know, he starts digging into him and you're like, dude. But you're like, wait a minute, we're only 20 minutes into the movie. Surely he's going to live. True. <laughs> so the fight ends with T'Challa pinning M'Baku, making him yield. He lets M'Baku live, and that starts a chain reaction that leads to, uh, by the time Infinity War rolls around, M'Baku referring to T'Challa as brother. Like, you know, respect. I love that. So yeah, that that's a really cool moment and you see a lot of Black Panther's kind of uh, you know his morality there where he's telling him yield brother, yield like your people need you. Like Yeah, I love that. Oh man. Yeah, goddamn, I love T'Challa. <laughs> he's such a good fucking leader. Ugh. Yeah, but that's that that's that quote, you know, from his dad. His what does his dad say? He says it's, you know, it's You're hard a good for man, a good man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. <laughs> Oh, we know, we know, we know. We know. <laughs> ah, it's hard for a good man to be a good king, basically. And uh, yes, yes. he's right, especially since we see the, you know, the complete antithesis of T'Challa, Killmonger, who only wants to conquer. And uh, I, he doesn't give a shit about legacy, as we'll see later when he you know, burns all the heart-shaped herbs. Yes. As far as he's concerned, he's the last king of Wakanda. <laughs> and that's, you know, that takes us to... The intro to Killmonger, where he's at a museum in London looking at African artifacts. And uh, he just, you know, he's, he's got these glasses. He looks kind of unassuming, maybe a student. 
and the docent comes over to talk to him. He's like, see anything, you know, what's this? Killmonger's like, tell me about this one. He's like, oh, that's from this tribe. He's like, and this one? Oh, that was from this tribe. He's like, nope, that's Wakandan. He's like, excuse me? Like, yeah, that's vibranium. And don't worry, I'm going to take it off your hands for you. And then the theme starts trickling in. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is our villain. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, was, it, uh, that part's really cool in that I love what he tells her. Like, you've had all these people watching me ever since I came in here. But you haven't been looking what you've been putting in your body. And, you know, she, st- she starts falling and he's like, oh, she's going to need some help. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, I love in that bit when he points, like, she's like, you know what? You can't, these aren't for sale. He's like, well, how do you think your ancestors got them? You think they paid a fair price for it? Oh, man. Yeah. Everything you need to know about his character is in that line right there. Yeah. 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 And then, so he has that, but he also just has like the, I'm a dick and I'm a punk. And he grabs, when he, he grabs the mask and he's like, no, I'm just feeling it. <laughs> and the, when, yeah, when she passes out and the uh, EMTs come, the EMTs are claw. And they yes. kill everybody and they steal the vibranium. Which ah. is also great because claw is like, you know, boom, boom, shoots two people. He's like, oh, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> and he's like, I, you know, just don't tell anybody. And the guy starts running and he shoots him. And he's like, oh, it's better to leave the crime scene, you know, spread out. <laughs> <laughs> Makes us look like amateurs. Yeah, so good. I love Claw. Oh, and for, you know, the MCU people, Claw was introduced in Avengers Age of Ultron as this vibranium dealer in uh, South Africa who is just like a complete and total scumbag. And Ultron blew off one of his arms, so now he's got a, like, sonic weapon as his arm, which echoes the comic book villain where his, like, his villainous name literally was just Claw. (laughs) Marvel wasn't exactly creative in the naming department for a lot of their characters. <laughs> His name's Ulysses Claw. What should we call him? Claw. <laughs> well, yeah, they're like, we got to make sure we get these, you know, no one else can get them. Oh. <laughs> so, um, the Wakandans have been after Claw for a very long time. He's, you know, yes. he, he killed a lot of their people. He stole their vibranium. They've wanted him dead for years, and he pops up on their radar, and uh, they find out that he's going to be selling a piece of stolen vibranium to a dealer in South Korea. So T'Challa, Nakia, and Okoye hop a jet thing to go to Korea and intercept this. And in Korea, they find the buyer is none other than CIA agent Everett Ross, played by Martin Freeman. We, uh, we saw him for the first time in Captain America Civil War as well. I love that they have this like giant sandbox to just pick and choose characters. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ross immediately recognizes T'Challa. And I love that part because Ross is just like looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> this is this wild. Like he immediately blows his cover of like, what? It's so good. Very, uh, very Fargo of him, that reaction. <laughs> yeah. Very true. That's a good, yeah, good shout out there. And uh, I think Lester Nygaard. Somebody pointed out that the two guys in this movie, like the two white characters in this movie, are played by Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman, which makes them the Tolkien white guys. Because <laughs> we got Bilbo Baggins yeah. and Gollum yeah. here, and I, I love that. Whoever said that was a fucking genius. They're not American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so uh, good. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. 
So Ross tells him, like, look, we're, gra- we're grabbing Claw. Like, this is our bust. And T'Challa's like, uh, no, we, we're taking him back to Wakanda. Like, you know, I gave you Zemo. Like, we're even. And Ross is like, no, no, no. That's not how it works. <laughs> and I love the callbacks to other movies. That always makes me smile. And uh, Claw shows up, and I love when he, him and his people walk through the metal detectors, and they go off, but nobody does anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're clearly, you know, they're big shit. And Claw meets with Ross and says something about, like, a mixtape he made. I don't know if he was joking or if he really did make a CD. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, oh, we got to get in my SoundCloud link. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't make me listen to your music. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I love that. Martin's great. And uh, they're going to make the deal for some diamonds, and Claw takes them by bringing him out of his pants, which was just such a sleazy little addition to his character. <laughs> um, but he sees um, Okoye gets made by his people, and so everyone reacts. Ross gets you know, shot at, but he, you know, he uses the diamonds to block him, and there's a you know, big fucking fight breaks out of this casino. And uh, they take off. It's a great car chase with... Uh, Shuri kind of, you know, shadow driving the car. <laughs> I love that uh, Okoye and Nakia are literally in a vibranium car. Yes. It's crazy. And Claw's uh, sonic weapon can actually, like, blow up vibranium as, you know, he completely destroys their car. Yeah, I love that. They're, it's Americans shooting these guns at our... And Claw's like, it doesn't do anything. It's vibranium, you idiots. <laughs> so good. <laughs> That that scene that scene's pretty spectacular. You know, we've we've talked a, a bit about some some chase scenes uh, on Filmgasm. In particular, you know, there's some James Bond stuff, and then we did French Connection. But I I, I love this chase scene. I love chase scenes in general. But man, this is a this is a brilliant one where you you have uh, Korea, the night nightlife in Korea, just like as the kind of centerpiece. It's really cool. It's super cool. It's really cool. And uh, there's that scene where, like, we find out, you know, uh, T'Challa's new suit can absorb kinetic energy and, like, release it as, like, blasts. And he does this to blow up a car and then, like, flips over the car and lands on, like, the other car. It was fucking cool. It was a trailer shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, still neat. And he manages to get, you know, he stops Claw, uh, Claw's car, rips him out of the, tr- out of the car, and is going to kill him. But Okoye says, you know, people are, the world is watching. And yeah, you got people, people with their iPhones and stuff, yeah. So they arrest him, and he is just insane. <laughs> Claw is sitting in the interrogation room. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. What the fuck is this? He's so nuts. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and Ross has to talk to T'Challa, like, look, you know, what are we going to do here? And T'Challa's like, you know what? Thank you. Like, pats him on the back, but, like, puts a little speaker so we can hear the conversation it's it's nice and uh claw tells him like look you know what do you really know about wakanda like you don't you've never seen wakanda i'm the only man who's been there and you know escaped alive and he's i love that he points out that it's it's like the spanish we're looking for they called it el dorado like to to throw that in there is just so neat they were looking for it in South America, but it was in Africa the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Atlantis, El Dorado. Yeah. <laughs> that seems oh. pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It, this, this, this stretch of the film to me is, you know, the most exciting. 
Sure, for sure. Especially when Killmonger breaks Claw out of the building. Yes, yes. All leading up to that. Yeah, so cool. Blows open the wall. Men come in and start shooting. Ross saves Nakia's life, like, unprompted. I love that. It you know, shows his true colors. He takes a bullet to the spine. And uh, Killmonger grabs Claw. Black Panther tries to stop him. He takes a grenade to the chest, sees Killmonger's ring on his, around his neck, and is like, I know that's, that insignia. Why does he have that? So he, you know, bookmarks that for later and goes and, you know, says, we got to save Ross. And Okoye is like, we can't do that. We can't just bring him to Wakanda and T'Challa, you know. He brings out, you know, he, tell, he uh, straight up says, I can't let him die. Shows, you know, his true colors. A lot of people are revealed in this scene. And uh, I like that. So they do, yeah. End up, yeah, they do end up bringing Ross to Wakanda to save his life. And he wakes up. And he's like, how long have I been here? And they're like, a couple of days. It's like, but a bull, like, bullet wounds don't heal in two days like they do here. <laughs> it's, it's funny to see him kind of flustered. And uh, T'Challa immediately goes to Zuri to ask about the ring. And what he learns disturbs him. He learns that when... Njobu betrayed his father. T'Chaka straight up fucking killed him. <laughs> and he murdered his own brother and left Eric Stevens to foster care. To, to, left him, you know, to the system when he should have brought him home. And T'Challa yes. is horrified by his father that he would do this. And now he has to kind of make, you know, come to terms with this enemy that his father created. Sins the father and all that. Yes. And Killmonger betrays Claw, kills him. I was not expecting that the first time I saw this. I thought Claw was going to be a, you know, a significant character going forward in the MCU, but nope, snuffed. <laughs> and which, which is a great scene and um, shows Killmonger's, you know, not only his, you know, his anger and his tenacity, but his skill. The way he kills him, that shot, that's an incredible shot where you're like, oh, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he shoots his own girl to get to Claw. Like, he has no, he doesn't care about anybody. He has nothing but hate and rage in his heart. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan did such a great job relaying that. I mean, I love when characters, I mean, when actors who, like, are known for playing particularly, like, good characters, like, good people, play villains. Because they bring it the fuck home. <laughs> I don't know why, but actors who play good guys are so good at playing bad guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, that, that's exactly why we wanted to see Chadwick Boseman do that because we yeah. were used to seeing him kind of be these, these heroes. And uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I truly think that Michael B. Jordan should have been up, not should have been nominated or won an Oscar for playing Oscar um, in uh, Fruitvale Station. Yeah. He, he, he goes to some pretty jaw-dropping places in that performance and uh that's that's exactly what we're we're going for right and um to see him do that and then uh the killmonger stuff again another guy i can't wait to see what he does he's like 33 years old like holy shit he's got he's got a long-ass career ahead of him i love seeing him in interviews because he's this like just you know down-to-earth kid who's kind of just happy to be here and i, I love that i love that mentality in hollywood because those are always like the best performers People oh, 100%. Just, yeah. And Killmonger is a very good, like, 
character. He really did a great job bringing him to life. And he's called Killmonger because he has all these notches on his body that he marks for every one of his kills that he got when he was working special ops. And yeah. Ross points that out when they when Killmonger shows up at the Wakandan border with Claw's body and is like, hey, you looking for this? And uh, when t- Killmonger brings the body, uh, T'Challa is visited by his friend Wakabi, played by Daniel Kaluuya. And Wakabi had a specific, like a personal interest in seeing Claw brought to justice. And he's like, so where is he? And T'Challa's like, we lost him. And Wakabi's like, pretty harsh. He says, you know, I, I thought things would be different under you, but more the same. And walks away. So already yeah, sowing the seeds of dissent there. Yeah. So he's the one who greets Killmonger at the border and lets him in. <coughs> and when they sh- and when Ross finds out about this, he's like, "Oh, I know that guy." <laughs> I love that. He's just like, "Yeah, that guy's one of ours. CIA, like special ops guy, the best." <laughs> yeah, he's insane. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so T'Challa now knowing the whole truth about all this, you know, has uh, Killmonger brought to him. Killmonger's, you know, in chains. And everyone's like, who is this guy? And T'Challa's like, the only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know where you, and I know who you are. And, <laughs> and he should have asked, like, what do you want? And Killmonger's like, I want the throne. Like, I did what you couldn't. Here's Claw. <laughs> a real man should be... It reminded me of Mr. T in Rocky Three. Like, you know, a real man should be sitting on that throne. <laughs> you, don't got, you don't have what it takes. I love it. That's perfect. (laughs) So it being challenge day, uh, Killmonger challenges T'Challa for the throne. And everyone's like, who are you? Like, you don't have royal blood. You just walked in here. And he points out, uh, no, in fact, my real name is like Njaka or something like that. It was very hard to pronounce. Yeah, no kidding. And he points out, you know, I'm Njobu's son. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And Ramondo's like, tell me, t- say that's not true. And T'Challa's like, it's true. I'll t- accept the challenge. So Killmonger and T'Challa fight. And it's fucking crazy because Killmonger annihilates him. It's not even close. <laughs> and everyone's just like, you know, get up. And Killmonger's, you know, kicking him while he's down. Like, is this your king? <laughs> you know, who, is this your king? And he picks him up and hurls him over the waterfall. But first he stabs Zuri in the chest for his part in his father's murder. It's, a, it's an emotional scene. Yeah, it's a devastating scene. Michael B.'s finest moment of the movie, I think. He's extremely angry, and it helps that he has the physique of a fucking god. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he, he he looks he looks unbelievable. He looks like a fucking GI Joe with scars all over him. And I yeah I I you know I I love I'm a sucker for some of those you know action sequences where you do have that kind of intimidating force where it's like there's no chance in stopping this guy. And, and he certainly is doing that in that scene. And there's a couple times where he he's down obviously and he could have killed him but he says, get up. Like he wanted to keep fighting like yeah. Killmonger. Killmonger is like one of those guys who like breathes for, for challenge, just like fucking, uh, you know, 
Bill the Butcher, you know, um, guys like that. You know, he just he needs it. He needs the competition. He needs he needs fighting like in his life, and that aggression has to get out. And yeah, man, he brought it to him. Um, and you know, you know, because of where you're at in the movie, you're like Black Panther's coming back, but yeah, obviously, it's it's gonna be tough to get. It's gonna be tough to to take this guy down. It's gonna take a it's gonna take a lot. Well, and Killmonger didn't just have to kill T'Challa. He had to fucking humiliate him. He had to beat him down in front of everybody to show I am in charge now. I'm the king, so fuck this guy. And yeah, just, major, major <laughs> alpha move, yeah. Oh, yeah. Throws him over the waterfall, you know, says, you know, I'm the king now. Nakia immediately grabs Ramunda and Shuri and is like, we got to go. Because, <laughs> you know, the first thing he's going to do is, you know, kill anyone who, like, you know, challenges his rule. They're first in line. So she gets them out. Uh, Killmonger is crowned, and the woman whose crew crowns him is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> he, um, he sits on the throne. That's a jarring scene. The way the, the camera, like, starts in upside down as it walks, you know, we see Killmonger walk to the throne. It's, it's vicious. It, it feels like, you know, Wakanda has been turned upside down. It's a, it's a very good visual metaphor. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's, those are those little things that are uh, why this movie kind of earned that spot for, for these Oscars. For sure, yeah. And they go to get um, Ross because they know that, you know, Killmonger's going to fucking kill him too. And they flee to the mountains. But first they grab a heart-shaped herb because after Killmonger has his experience where he gains the power of the Black Panther and meets his father in the afterlife, who tells him, you know, I made, you know, I should have brought you to Wakanda. And he's like, doesn't matter. I'm here now and I'm going to fulfill your dream. Very, like very well done scene between um, Jordan and Brown. And that's like, Oh my God, they both yeah, really yeah. killed it there. Yeah. One, one of my favorite bits of the film and one that I just kind of forgot about just the, the, the impact of it. Those two talking to each other about um, so many things within such a short time. And that, that in itself is just devastating, right? That you have this little time to talk to your dad who's, who's, who's been dead for so long. And I'm so fascinated by them because, you know, on paper, you're with them, right? On paper, you're like, yeah, yeah, of course I want all, you want all black people to, to have this knowledge and this technology and vibranium and all this stuff. That would be great. So you can take down your oppressors. On paper, it sounds amazing, and I'm with Killmonger in that regard. But the way he goes about it is not a way that's, you know, going to work, or it's, it's not a respectful or loving way, right? So it's just such a fascinating character, because what he's saying is not wrong. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> and, and so M- Michael B. is able to sell that so well, because he, he's like selling that, like, I'm from Oakland, I know what it's like to struggle, I know what it's like to be a person of color in the United States and it fucking sucks. And so I, I want that to stop all over the world. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. But then there's things in which he does and how he goes about it. And you're like, uh, yeah, it's not that he, he doesn't want, you know, equal rights. He doesn't want equal treatment. He doesn't want brotherly love. He wants racial dominance and he wants to rule the world. <laughs> That's where yeah, the bad want- guy part comes in. Yes, yeah, it, it goes past equality to vengeance. 
to let's let's get back let's get back what's ours and kill anybody in our way and yeah you just it's it's he's such a great character and you 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 love him you hate him you love him you hate him and he's just yeah it's amazing well typically so in the past 10 years we've seen a lot of a lot of movies from marvel's marvel with a lot of villains and typically the three villains who are mostly listed as like their best villains are thanos loki and killmonger and those reasons because all three of those characters are very layered and very sympathetic at times and you understand killmonger's mission you you feel that emotion at times like there's there's some moments here that's beautiful with killmonger when he's you know talking to his father and he's like you know nearing tears where you understand you know this is a man who had his entire life snuffed out by wakanda and he hates them as much as he hates the oppressors. That's why he put so, you know, that's why he took, you know, ripped everything away from T'Challa. Like he really wanted that. He wanted him to feel the pain that he felt. And I love the, I love when they really, you know, give that three dimensional look into these villains. Cause the best villains are you know, not always villains. There's things to see, you know, there's light in them. Yes. Killmonger is one of those people, even in the end, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't have a speech at the end where he's like, you know, I'll come back. I'll get you one day. It's, you know, let me die with my people. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Like he, he, he's such a great character. It, it really is. It's, it's an all time kind of character. And uh, most certainly looking forward to um, things that could be done with Killmonger in the future. Right. Obviously. In this realm, obviously, we know his, his, his outcome. But I think that this character is so popular and so cool that it could have some sort of TV show or some kind of spinoff thing that people would be down for because he's so great. I can see, you know, future appearances in the Ancestral Plane, like when the next Black Panther... Yeah, 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 stuff like that, maybe, yeah. Something like that. Maybe he's, you know, in hell trying to escape or some shit. They could do a lot with that. I think a I think a Disney Plus show about him as a kid would be really cool, um, kind of growing up and you know harnessing that that anger and that rebellion into the you know the incredible killing machine that he became. So a, a show about him in the special ops, woo! I'd watch. That's the what shit I would do. I would do that. I would have him like end up you know facing some supernatural comic book enemies, kind of learning you know skills that you know, prepared him to take on Wakanda. Well, yeah. What if every episode was one scar? Oh shit, man. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And you had Mike, I mean, yeah, obviously if you had Michael B playing it, people would watch the, the hell out of that. Yeah. That, you know, my point being, I, that's probably not all going to happen, but I know. it's a, it's a good enough character to, to have those ideas mm-hmm. and it'd be, and it'd be plausible. How do you hook up with claw? Like I'd love to see all that. <sighs> Oh my gosh. I, uh, yeah. If I could just see him kind of traveling around the world in the way he did in London, just kind of stealing shit and fucking, you know, kind of stacking up his weapons and, you know, his knowledge and stuff. I, oh yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> so after Killmonger has his journey, he orders all of the heart shaped herbs to be burned because no one will ever challenge him again. And, uh, Sure, uh, Nakia managed to swipe one. So they head to the only place they know is safe, the mountains with the Jabari. Because they want to give uh, M'Baku the herb so he can take on Killmonger. 
that's pretty awesome. That's like, like that's good thinking. And well, um, yeah, well, yeah, it, it becomes, Hey, who's a guy who believes in tradition and believes in Wakanda and Africa uh, as a whole. And that's, that's Mbaku, a guy who totally believes in tradition. And that's why he challenged uh, to challenge in the first place. So yeah, I, that's certainly the first place I would look. <laughs> they get all the way there. Uh, Mbaku captures them. And they say, you know, T'Challa was murdered in ritual combat. And his first question is, were the odds fair? And they're like, yeah. That it was less of a murder and more of a defeat, wasn't it? And they're like, don't rub our noses in it. And he's like, hey, this is my place. I ask the questions. Like, he really milks it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's like, I know you guys just watched me lose to him. So let me have some fun. I love when Ross tries to talk and he just starts barking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually really great, right? You know, and Martin Martin's like, oh, am I? What did I say? What did I do? And they're like, well, you're white, you idiot! Like, <laughs> get the hell out of here! Yeah, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> and they which, offer- which 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 yeah, man. If me and you walked yeah. up there, no way. I would not. I would. I wouldn't. First off, no way. You know, I, that's not. Unless I, unless I am absolutely 100% invited, I am not going to intrude on M'Baku. Oh, God, no. No, he will mess you up. Yeah. You're not walking out of there. Um, but they give M'Baku the herb, and they're like, look, an outsider has taken the throne of Wakanda. Everything is in danger. You're the only one who can stop him. Please take this, become the Black Panther, and save Wakanda. And M'Baku doesn't take it. He could. He could easily take Wakanda right now, but that's not how he rolls. It's not fair. It's not his place. And he recognizes that. He's such... I love his character. He might be my favorite character. He's definitely one of, one of my favorite. I, yeah, I would watch... Again, he's another guy I would watch like different kinds of content about. And I, I love that. I love that. He's like, no, man, I don't want, the, I don't want it in this way. Yeah. It's not, not mine. This, not like this. And if, what, if I would have, if I would have beat him, then yeah. Yeah. What he does is he takes them to it and says like, follow me. We found this yesterday and it's T'Challa still alive, barely clinging in the snow. So they give him the herb. He revisits the ancestral plane, confronts his father and is like, why didn't you take him home? It, oh, so yeah. Fantastic scene. And he's, you know, he's screaming at his father, like, you know, we, you were wrong. We need to help everybody. Like, turning your back on the world was not the right thing to do. Turning your back on Killmonger was not the right thing to do. You ruined this child. You made him a monster. Yeah. And it's... This, this movie is so... There's elements of this that are so much stronger than anything else Marvel did. There's so much more to say with this one. It's... It's it's fantastic. The, yeah, the, the the poignancy is on a different level, especially with Mister Bozeman um, not being with us anymore. So this the, these scenes with his father are very very powerful. Yeah, and he wakes up. He's healed. He's the Black Panther again, and he asks Mbaku, like, "Can you protect my mother?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course, no problem. You have my word." Without question, he's like, "Yeah, she can stay." <laughs> of course, of course. And he's like, "I could use an army too," and he's like, "I'm sure you could." nope (laughs) he's like this is your fight and T'Challa's like it's our fight he's like us 
You're the first king ever that's been here in centuries, and you talk about us? Horseshit. Not my fight. And T'Challa points out, like, when Killmonger conquers, you know, everything else, he's going to take you down, too, because you're a threat. Recognize that. Realize that. Make the yes. right decision. So, <laughs> T'Challa, Nakia, and Shuri go to challenge Killmonger. And Killmonger is prepping what, vibranium weapons to be shipped across the world to his uh, people waiting in uh, uh, specifically New York, London, and Hong Kong, which are the three cities where Dr. Strange's Sanctum Santorums are. I noticed that for the first time in my recent watch. I was like, Hey, that's ah. Ah, MCU baby. (laughs) And uh, Wakabi's standing right next to him. Okoye is reluctantly with him because she and the Dora Milaje, the bodyguard are sworn to the King regardless of who that is. And T'Challa takes down one of the planes, steps up and is like, I did not yield. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, The first thing that popped into my head with that, I don't like that this is where my mind immediately went, but it went to South Park where Randy is challenging Bat Dad and he's like, I didn't hear no bell. (laughs) That's that's where I went immediately. (laughs) That's incredible. That's so good. South Park, Black Panther. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought this was Wakanda. <laughs> I, I thought this was... Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so T'Challa's like, you know, I'm not dead. Challenge still stands. Bring it. And Killmonger puts on the other Black Panther suit that uh, Shuri made, the, the golden one. Okoye says, you know, you're not fit to lead. Takes, you know... Uh, they all point their spears at Killmonger and he starts fighting the Dora Milaje. Wakabi takes his people to take on, um, he challenges uh, T'Challa. Like he chooses a side. And um, the war here is fucking awesome. The battle's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, when the tide's turning, uh, we hear a familiar barking <laughs> and it's the fucking Jabari. I get chills every time. You knew it was going to happen, but it's so cool to see it. Yes, and they're just <laughs> mad men. I also I do love when um, Daniel Kaluuya is uh, blowing the horn and those rhinos come up out of the ground. That was badass. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Talk, I, I talk about production design. Just come on. Like, all of that, <laughs> with, it, all of that with the CGI and with the acting and – all of it combined is, is, is literally movie magic. Oh, for sure. Uh, Shuri, Nakia, and Ross get into the uh, main hub. Ross gets into like a uh, remote control vehicle to fly and shoot down the ships. Uh, Shuri grabs her blasters. Nakia puts on some armor, and they start kicking ass. <laughs> and uh, Shuri takes on Killmonger briefly, and that was pretty cool. And he's about to kill her. Chala jumps him and they end up in the vibranium mine where they fight to the death. <laughs> and uh, Okoye ends up taking out Wakabi and like stops him. And I love, she, he says like, would you kill me? Cause they're together. And she says, you know, for Wakanda without question, like oof, chills. <laughs> that motherfucker is going away for treason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, T'Challa and Killmonger are fighting in the, in the, in the uh, mine. Killmonger's taunting him. 
the uh, the train that tra- transports the vibranium briefly disrupts it, allowing T'Challa time to stab Killmonger in the side with a spear. And Killmonger accepts defeat. He's like, you know, hell of a move. That's his that's his words. Like, hell of a move. <laughs> ah, I think secretly he wanted to fail. I think he just the way he accepts death is so graceful that I feel like he's happy to be released from this pain. Yeah, he's killed so many people and been so angry his entire life. Yeah, yeah, he definitely, it seemed like he went into it kind of like, if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose, you know? Just let's, uh, let's just see what happens here. He wanted to try. Yes, and wanted the challenge. And he, um, he and T'Challa walk out to the, see the, sun, the sunrise or sunset, I think. It's obviously the sunset. This whole battle's been in the daytime. And um, he... Uh, points out that his father said Wakandan sunset, sunri- sunsets. God damn, why is this tripping me up? Uh, <laughs> we're the most beautiful in the world. T'Challa points out, like, we can heal you. We can save you. And Killmonger's like, why? So you can lock me up? Like, no. And he says a line that comes up a lot in conversation. He says, uh, just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Oof. And then just grabs the spear and rips it out, and he dies. It's a very somber death for such a monster. Yeah, and uh, to me, the perfect, perfect kind of ending to this film. Uh, as far as that part goes, you know, we have a little bit more to go in the post-credit scene, but that that is a spectacular little bit between hero and villain. True. T'Challa is recrowned king. Uh, what? Mbaku gets a seat on the council. I like that. That Jabari will now be, you know, part of it. And uh, T'Challa establishes an embassy in the United States. He buys the building that uh, Njobu died in and is going to yes. turn it into the Wakandan embassy. And uh, in the mid credit scene, T'Challa appears before the UN to reveal Wakanda to the world. And in a post credit scene, Bucky is there, to, you know, getting healed. And he's they're like, you know, the fight's coming. He's like, I'll be ready. <laughs> hell yeah it's a great movie it's a it really is like one of the most rewatchable of the mcus it's so great yes yeah because of all you know the style the sound and then when you rewatch it over and over you catch new things like you said about the the doctor strange bit of new york london and hong kong and that's what the mcu is so good at is making them rewatchable and uh, over time they they kind of mastered their craft it's a really good film black panther's awesome of course, it's on Disney Plus, just like all those Marvel movies, and um, go check it out and watch all those other Chadwick Boseman films as well. Yes, indeed, a lot of them are available on uh, Netflix. There's a, there's more than a few there, and Prime. Yes. And also, I wanted to point this out. I I think I noticed a plot hole in uh, okay. Okay. Civil War. Okay. So after T'Chaka dies, T'Challa takes the Black Panther armor and tries to chase down Bucky, and you know, fights all these people how does he have power because he didn't know T'Chaka wasn't dying like he hadn't he didn't go back to Wakanda to get the herb so in that movie T'Challa shouldn't have powers but he's you know running you know he's running as fast as Captain America he's you know lifting shit he's he's powerful he's got the Black Panther powers in Civil War but he shouldn't because he hasn't he hasn't been crowned king yet, so like, how does he? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but that just it doesn't make sense to me. 
Yeah, I haven't just that's that's pretty simple actually. I haven't really put that together yet. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna look into that after we're done here. That's that's a good point. That is kind of like just lazy writing, it seems. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're gonna establish rules, you got to follow them. Yeah, I don't. They're still great movies. <laughs> Nothing, yeah, no that kidding. Get taken away. No kidding. Yeah, they're they're all so epic and so such great length to them and amazing amazing stuff when you're able to put all that money in and get it all back and keep putting it back into your product uh props to the mcu yes indeed will not be the last mcu movie we do on either podcast yeah no and i'm, I'm shocked it's our first but um, <laughs> uh yeah rest in peace chadwick uh glad we're honoring you with this film yes indeed yes indeed you will not be forgotten your legacy will live forever the films you did were fucking amazing will be watched forever yes indeed uh, so that, take, that takes us to this week in film to close out the show. Here are some stuff that happened in the past week. Disney announced that Mulan will be available to all subscribers on Disney Plus in December, regardless of premium access or whatnot. So if you want to shell out 30 bucks now, you can. I don't recommend it. If you're a little bit patient, you can wait till December and watch it with your regular Disney Plus subscription, which is what I'm going to do. Me too, and um, we may find a way to do an episode on it or, or something, but yeah, we'll both be waiting till December. Yeah, so don't expect an episode on that in the next few weeks because that 30 bucks is insane, and I'm not, no. I'm not doing that. Much, much more likely to do um, you know, a genre film or something that comes out on Netflix or you know, something like Defy Bloods that we did here on this show because yeah. everybody has access to it, and it's great. We're looking into maybe doing uh, The Devil All the Time. We're going to watch the movie and then determine whether or not it's worthy of an episode. Yeah, it really could go either way. It could be on this show if we think that it should be up for some Oscars, or it could go on the other one because it might just be really weird. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Next up, this was really cool. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has cast Cooper Hoffman, son of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, as the lead in his new film, which is nuts. So... Loving that legacy, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, uh, stellar stuff. Apparently, you know, uh, you and I had talked about it earlier. Uh, apparently, he was born in 2003, so that should make him about 17 right now. And pretty chilling, pretty chilling stuff. Uh, we, we, I shared a picture with you, and it's just kind of a shot from the film, and it's uh, Cooper and, the, and one of the singers from, from the band Heim together in a car and Bradley Cooper's just walking past and that kind of stuff because Paul Thomas Aronson's my favorite director of all time. When I see stuff like that, uh, I just get really, really amped up and it's, it's, it's uber exciting to see PSH's son possibly carry the torch with PTA. Oh man. It gives, gives me chills. I don't know how PTA is, is filming him. I don't know how he's directing um, Cooper Hoffman when he's had all these experiences with PSH and he's not with us anymore that's got to be really emotional I'm sure I'm sure he's going to take that emotion and just pour it into the film it's going to be yeah. spectacular yeah who am I to you know question Paul Thomas Anderson using what his pain and what he's going through to just yeah put it all out on the screen yeah <laughs> uh, next up the second trailer for No Time to Die was launched uh, now set for a late November release Hopefully yes. that is set in stone. I'd, I'd really like to see this movie. <laughs> it's the only movie I really wanted to see this year. 
Yeah, and that that will most certainly, if we were both able to see that one, that will most certainly be here on the Oscar show. Uh, Daniel Craig, his last go around, right, and he's just yeah. been spectacular as Bond, and uh, you know, Bond fans and film fans alike are just going to kind of miss him because he's he's been a cool, gritty Bond, and yeah, a lot a lot of fun to watch. I'm really excited to see how he kind of caps it off. Well, I think the only guaranteed nomination is Best Original Song. I'm hoping it's a hat trick. You know, Skyfall and Spectre both won Best Song. I'm hoping No Time to Die takes it as well. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that's enough to get it on this show. <laughs> you, only, you, only, you only need one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of Rami Malek's uh, enigmatic villain, which I've heard rumors might be a uh, revamped version of Dr. No which is kind of neat. If it's not, I won't be disappointed. I'll just, you know, this will be cool. Looks exciting. And uh, this will also mark the first time an actor has played Ernst Stavro Blofeld twice. Christoph Waltz is the first actor to reprise that role. Uh, Donald Pleasance played him in You Only Live Twice. Then it was Telly Savalas in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Then it was Charles Gray in Diamonds Are Forever, my personal favorite Blofeld. But no actor has ever done it twice. So this will be cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, finally, and this sucks, uh, Robert Pattinson has tested positive for COVID-19. So he has been forced to quarantine while the Batman resumes production without him. And uh, Matt Reeves is doing everything he can to get as much of this film shot without Pattinson while he's in his quarantine. And it sucks that the... One person from the Batman who got COVID was fucking Batman. <laughs> the one guy they really kind of needed in the movie. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you would hope it'd be some kind of fucking extra or something. Some guy who doesn't really matter to the film. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, that, 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 like, Jesus. Jesus, Austin, what's That's wrong rough. with you? You insensitive <laughs> prick. God, didn't we just talk about Black Panther, one of the coolest guys ever, and you're going to go and do that? No, yeah, it sucks, man. But uh, in the big scheme of things, you know, you hope that they're all being safe. And uh, at the end of the day, it's a movie and we just want them to all be safe and make the right product. So, um, yeah, and, yeah, it's, uh, a shame to, it's a shame to see, but you're not surprised, right? At this point, uh, anybody can get it. Uh, you just want them to take the right precautions. And I assume Robert Pattinson will. Well, I think what really sucks is this movie already had to shut down production for quite a while due to the initial outbreak. And they just resumed it. And now they got to shut down again. Yeah. Or at least, you know, film without Pattinson, which blows. But, you know, in the end, I'm confident this movie's going to be really good and Pattinson's going to kill it. And I'm very excited. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm definitely pumped for that one. For sure. All right. With that, what are we, uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, I want to um, start doing this more often at the end of these is giving our, audience um more more meat to play with um for each episode next week we're going to be going to the 2000s um on this um you know wave last time we did in the bedroom from 2001 so we're going to move along to the mid 2000s and do um little miss sunshine from 2006 nah. which which was uh you know was up for some awards and that includes best picture and what i want to do here is with the films that we cover that are up for best picture i want to start giving our listeners, um, and it's for Connor and myself as well, the other movies that were up for, for, for that award. So that year, The Departed won, Babel was up, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. 
So those are the five movies we're going to be um, having a conversation about in depth when it comes to best picture. So if you would like to sort of, you know, be with us in that conversation next week, go right ahead. See as many of those as you can. Um, they're all pretty fairly easy to find. And, uh, but little miss sunshine is the hub next week. And we're going to go back to kind of our main formula next week uh, for little miss sunshine. This was a blast talking yes. about Chadwick, talking about Chadwick Boseman, talking about our first MCU movie, first Marvel movie um, was so much fun. Uh, I, I'm sure you can echo that. Absolutely. This was great. I do. I, I don't like that. It had to be under these unfortunate circumstances that we covered black yeah. Panther, but I am yeah. glad we did it. And I, I'm, I'm very much enjoyed doing this one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We got to show our love for Chadwick and our love for black Panther and the MCU and just, just movies in general, right? Because the MCU is certainly trying to entertain people and bring people together for storytelling. Ultimately, that's what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I hope you guys had fun with us. Next week's going to be a change of pace. Yes. Little Miss, Sun- Little Miss Sunshine is probably the most, you know, through and through indie film we've done where, where you really have this unique cast of different kinds of, uh, you know, character actors from Alan Arkin to Steve Carell to Tony Collette to Greg Kinnear to Paul Dano, to Abigail uh, Breslin, just really, really cool cast. And uh, it's been a favorite of mine since I was, you know, 13 or 14. And I'm really excited to come back to it and talk about it next week. So hopefully you guys can join us and, you know, see some of those movies and bring it for Little Miss Sunshine. Fantastic. I can't wait. And if you want your horror fix this Wednesday, we are doing the original 1974 classic, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm prepared. It's a grisly one and it's a fucking masterpiece. And uh, with that, we'll see you next Sunday. Peace.